As a newly ordained priest, our gospel passage from Matthew this morning, recounting Jesus' call to four fishermen to follow me, is so very close to home and especially meaningful to me. In this gospel, the interaction between Jesus and the four fishermen is pretty straightforward, but yet I think profound regarding our understanding of discipleship. As a former resident of Florida, I used to watch fishermen wrestling with their nets and casting them out and pulling them in. The entire activity always seemed pretty intense and physically demanding. Peter, Andrew, James, and John would have been considered laborers during their time. If they had not had a successful night fishing, in all likelihood, their family would not be, would not be fed. But when encountered by Jesus to follow me, these four men literally stop what they're doing and walk away. Literally walking away from the equipment they used to feed their families to follow Jesus. Even more disorienting is James and John who abandoned their, their father, leaving him sitting in his boat. Unlike other interactions with people Jesus meets during his earthly ministry, proclaiming these men to follow me is not a command, but, but rather an invitation. And with that, these four fishermen walk away from their livelihood, their communities and their families to follow Jesus. With absolute certainty, never, as far as we know, looking back and questioning the call, which I will admit really puzzles me. In fact, it almost makes me jealous. I think for most of us, our call to follow Jesus, to drop our nets, is never so very clear and never so absolute. Each of these men saw Jesus, heard his invitation, and changed the course of their life. But for most of us, I suspect, our call to follow Jesus was not so clear, not so certain. For me, it came in a soft yet continuous whisper. I first heard when I walked into an empty church in downtown Sarasota, Florida. Way back in the 1990s, I was never a big churchgoer, but was drawn to this small church with two red doors and like any good future Episcopalian, I sat in the back row for four months and hoped not to be noticed. Back then, my, my moment of terror was when we exchanged the peace and I had to interact with people. But from that very first day, a voice only I could hear whispered, Susan, come closer. I was happy in the back row, but I found myself increasingly drawn closer to the altar until I ran out of pews. <laughs> With each step, I told myself, there, I'm done, leave me alone. But still the voice whispered, Susan, 
come closer. After serving as an acolyte, a Eucharistic minister, then later on as a Eucharistic visitor, the voice didn't get softer, it got louder. Despite my efforts to ignore this call from Jesus, I found myself reluctantly contemplating the priesthood and then seminary. Despite my age, my complicated and unique personal profile, and even a reading disability, I slowly accepted Jesus' call to the priesthood. For me, getting to this spot has not been easy, clear, or without a lot of self-doubt. As somebody that works alongside of our bishop, I've come to know that there are so many gifted people in this diocese who wear, who wear clergy collars or are wrestling with the thought of becoming priest that I've always thought have so much more to offer to the priesthood than ever I could. So when I hear Peter and Andrew and James and John just dropping their nets and gladfully accepting the call to follow Jesus, I guess I'm a little envious because for me it took years and years of reflection and prayer. But in discerning my own call and talking to other ordained priests and maybe even more importantly, lay members of the church that, have, that consider themselves followers of Jesus, I've come to, to really see the similarities between how Jesus called these four fishermen and how he calls us today. For many followers of Jesus, entering a call to follow is often conflated with the clerical process of ordination for priests or deacons. However, as Matthew's gospel shows, Jesus did not choose special people, but rather ordinary people to be his disciple. God made unimportant fishermen into important fisher of men. Discerning a call is not necessarily related to an occupation or a future vocation. We all have gifts to share as followers of Christ, unrelated to our formal education, our wealth, or past performances. Often, often living out one sense of being called in word and deed will come through our relationships we develop and those that we sustain in our daily life outside the four walls of the church. These first disciples did not have any formal education, never interviewed for a place on Jesus' team, or had any claim to purity or morality. They were just fishermen, trying their best to feed their families. Yet they were called, and called to follow. Discerning a call to follow Jesus can be, can be transformative. When biblical commentator David Cooper suggests that it is an invitation to our soul, a mysterious voice reverberating within our, within our heart and a tug on our heart that can be neither ignored and, as I know, denied. He suggests that when such a call occurs and we hear it, and we hear it, we experience a shift in our basic self-consciousness. 
I know this to be true, not just from my own experience, but, but, but from talking to individuals and with members of, of this congregation. Being a follower of Christ is not something we only do on Sunday morning, but is carried forth in, in how we live our lives, how we treat our neighbors and strangers, and in those small deeds done to make the world a better place. This morning, Isaiah reminds us that those who have lived in the land of darkness can also be a source of abundant light and joy in our life. The time that we travel in these dark times can be a source of new spiritual growth and new light. Accepting a call to follow Jesus changes our lives and by its very nature involves risk and exploration. Certainly our four fishermen who dropped everything to follow Jesus had no knowledge of the future, how this call would impact their life, and those that they would touch during their individual and collective ministries. Jesus' message this morning isn't that we should err on the side of safety, but rather we should, we should take risks. We should risk vulnerability, risk, being up, risk upsetting the status quo, risk including outsiders and insiders, and even risk looking foolish at times. When I think of examples of a life, in the life of this congregation, where a disciple of Christ embraces risk, I think of an anonymous person who walked away from a highly compensated position in the NFL to be a pastor to all of us who share his ministry. Now, putting aside the fact that this man who worked for the NFL was not a fan of the game <laughs> and had to be dragged to the Super Bowl last year, Deciding to pursue his ministry full-time with the people of St. James takes a lot of courage and stepping into the big unknown. Father John's ministry reminds us that all Christians are called to minister to both one another and to people around them by participating in God's work in the world. This morning's gospel from Matthew tells us that following Jesus' call invites and empowers choice. When the news of John's Baptist, John the Baptist's arrest come to Jesus, he makes a choice to leave Nazareth and begin his public ministry. Simon, Andrew, James, and John could have ignored the stranger who asked them to leave their livelihood and family in exchange for fishing for people. None of these early disciples had any notion of the future or promise of success. They simply made a choice to follow. As they are, from where they are, being who they are. And as disciples of Christ today, we're empowered to make the same choice. Confident that it will unfold for us over time as it did for these four men. Jesus calls us first and foremost to focus not on being right, but on being faithful disciples. 
Jesus clearly hopes that we participate in that which is greater than ourselves. That is why he always encourages people to follow him, to sin no more, to drink the living water, to be born again, to show hospitality to those who cannot repay it, and to share the good news. He invites us to follow just as we are. Embracing a willingness to lay down everything else. After my sermon, we will all share in a meal which we collect when we will collectively encounter Jesus, so human yet so divine, so familiar yet so mysterious, so close yet so revealing. And a tiny and a tiny small book with the title With Burning with burning hearts, often given to travel as discerning a call. Author Henry Newen notes that in our Eucharist, Jesus gives all. The bread is not simply a sign of his desire to become our food. The cup, not just a sign of his willingness to be our drink. The bread and the wine become his body and blood, the body and blood of giving. In our Eucharist this morning, Jesus will become fully present to us in the bread and the wine. And it is this Jesus who we are invited to be nurtured by and to follow today and into eternal life. And on this morning, following yet another mass tragedy from gun violence, let us as followers of Jesus embrace his command to love one another as he loves us.